Welcome to the Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, and it's Thursday, the 20th of April. Passover, Easter and Ramadan are behind us now, but security tension is still with us. And in fact, security sources have described a very high state of alert as Israel is preparing to mark both Memorial and Independence Day next week. Today, I'm, in, I'm recording from the offices of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security in central Jerusalem. And I'm delighted to be here with the Institute's president, Professor Inbar. Professor, thank you very much indeed for having me here. My pleasure. Shalom to everybody. Um, just a bit of background on Professor Inbar. Before setting up the JIWS, Professor Inbar was the founding director of another important think tank, the Bedin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies, and the professor of political science at Barilan University. Among various posts of visiting professors at prestigious US universities, he was also a visiting fellow at the International Institute for Strategic Studies in London. Professor Imbar is an expert on Israel's strategic doctrine, public opinion on national security, and a range of regional issues. Okay, um, if we can get started and just kind of look back on the Pesach Ramadan period that we saw Israel was attacked by rocket fire from Lebanon, Syria, and the Gaza Strip, as well as two fatal terror attacks, which included the murder of three members of the D family. Um, Many of us were sadly anticipating this violence. I wonder, how do you think it compares to your expectations? And what do we learn from the Israeli response on the current level of Israel's deterrence? Actually, my expectation was that this uh, Ramadan will not be that different from other Ramadans. And uh, actually, one of our researchers came up with a, a clear conclusion that the Ramadan month is not necessarily uh, more violent than other months uh, during the year. Uh, and the numbers actually show clearly that this is the case. Uh, the sad conclusion is that uh, uh, there are uh, Arabs that want to kill Jews uh, throughout the year. And uh, they really don't distinguish between uh, the months of, uh, uh, of the year. Uh, this Ramadan uh, was actually... Uh, uh, less uh, violent than other months during this year, despite uh, the anticipation, which, uh, as, as I point out, is not founded. And what, do you think, what did you make of Israel's response and kind of how would you assess Israel's level of deterrence relating to kind of the rocket fire from three different fronts? I think uh, basically Israel responded uh, as usual. Uh, there was uh, a lot of caution, uh, particularly around uh, the Temple Mount, which we understand it's an extremely sensitive point in the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, we also continued, as usual, uh, preemptive actions, in, uh, particularly in southern uh, areas of the Palestinian Authority, where, uh, unfortunately, Palestinian Authority lost control. And as a result of that, there are more uh, independent militias that are uh, acting against Israel in order to gain legitimacy, in order uh, to make a point against uh, the PA. Uh, and uh, it was uh, more or less uh, as usual, despite mm. the fact that sometimes uh, as usual is not very pleasant. Right. I suppose what, what makes this, this month 
unusual is the, the context of the dom- domestic turmoil um, in Israeli politics. And I'd just love to you to get your, your impression of how the, the domestic situation impacts on Israel's security. It is quite clear to me and, and to many others in Israel that uh, <clears throat> what happened uh, in Israel around uh, the uh, legal reform uh, those demonstrations and the uh, acerbic uh, discourse in Israel uh, has projected an image of a torn apart country, uh, a, parties, a, a country that may not be able to put its act together. Of course, we, had, uh, we heard voices uh, refusing to serve in the military, uh, which... Uh, all of this undermined our deterrence. It's quite clear that uh, in order to have deterrence, uh, you have to uh, be seen as somebody that is cruel, that is uh, ready to use force, uh, and um, the country seems to be paralyzed uh, by those events. And I saw that uh, your institute put out an important statement um, a week or so ago, kind of relating to this, if you could just kind of expand and tell us what the position of your institute has been. Uh, of course, we are dealing primarily with national security uh, issues, and our prism to much what is happening is, of course, uh, the prism of national security. And we have seen, uh, first of all, as I uh, said before, uh, erosion of Israeli deterrence, and at the same time, uh, developments which are of concern. Uh, for example, um, uh, strengthening of uh, uh, the Iranian position in, uh, in the Middle East, as they uh, succeeded in having a deal, uh, some kind of understanding of renewal of diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia. Their uh, ally, Syria, their only Arab ally in the, in the Arab world, is gradually being reaccepted into the Arab world after being ostracized for many years, for more than a decade. Uh, this strengthens, uh, of course, uh, uh, Iran. We see a continuous weakening of the American position in, in the Middle East, uh, which is uh, of concern to us. And the Iranians are, again, less afraid of uh, American actions. And at the same time, they are able to link themselves uh, to the Russians, uh, to the Chinese, which are, after all, uh, great powers. Uh, This uh, creates uh, a a new situation uh, which uh, may whet uh, the appetite of anti-Israeli forces to attack it. Thank you. I want to come on to some of those things you've mentioned uh, shortly. Um, but just kind of in standing on the, the prism of the kind of the interface with the domestic turmoil and the threats and kind of the emboldening of Iran, what, what lessons are there right now for Israeli policymakers? What advice would you be giving them um, to, to, to have learned from the last month's events? Basically, we want them to uh, try to reach a compromise uh, about the legal reform which I think there is a consensus in Israel that some uh, changes in the balance of power between the Supreme Court of Justice and the Parliament is needed uh, in order to uh, be able to go back to what is really 
you know, uh, very dangerous and we have to deal with, and this is our existence. So we have to uh, bring back the attention of the government to national security issues, uh, to the budget of the IDF and other security services. And this is urgent. Uh, we cannot wait with it. So uh, this is what we are trying to tell uh, the government and to all politicians, uh, come back to your senses. Mm. Do you find them receptive? What sort of uh, engagement do you have at the moment? I think that uh, the government has learned to some extent you know, the limits of uh, parliamentary power. Uh, and I think that uh, Netanyahu, I'm not sure his heart was in, in the reform in any case, but has decided to stop the parliamentary process. And hopefully uh, they are uh, meeting, uh, the meetings at the president's house uh, will uh, uh, result in some kind of compromise. The voices that we hear, uh, according to the media, uh, are positive and hopefully uh, will overcome this crisis and go back to, to the important business. Right. Well, let me, let me switch back to the important business and the, and the security questions. Is it your assessment that, kind of, that the events of, kind of the rocket fire from Syria, um, Lebanon and, and Gaza Strip, was it all orchestrated by Iran? Do you see the coordination between um, Al-Quds and Hezbollah and the Palestinian terror organisations? I think there were reports uh, coming probably from our intelligence that there is evidence of such... Uh, coordination. And this is, of course, uh, another reason why we should uh, concentrate on national security issues, because the coalescence of different fronts uh, is problematic from an Israeli national security point of view. And in terms of a practical kind of coordination, do you, do you, uh, do you see evidence of that? Do you think that's kind of the idea of kind of the, uh, the, the committees kind of using Beirut perhaps as a hub is kind of the, the place where, where Hamas, Hezbollah can, can kind of work on a, a joint work plan? Or is that too conspiratorial? Well, first of all, uh, all the attacks took place more or less at the same time. Uh, and I'm not sure this is a coincidence. I think there is a greater uh, probability that there was no coincidence. After all, afterwards, we've seen a, a summit from some anti-Israeli leaders in Beirut, mm. uh, which clearly shows that uh, if there was no coordination before, they want to coordinate uh, their future activities against Israel. So I tend to believe that uh, there was a coordination which uh, is uh, orchestrated by Tehran. They pay the bills mm. uh, of all those organizations, and uh, those organizations are, uh, you know, proxies of Iran, not always uh, fully subservient, uh, but obviously they share the same goal of destroying the Jewish state. Mm. And you mentioned before about the, the rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, do you think that's a, that's a strategic shift for Saudi or is this kind of more, more hedging? I believe uh, that Saudi Arabia is hedging uh, its way uh, primarily because of their uh, disappointment from the American position. We should remember that uh, Saudi Arabia was attacked 
the oil installations were attacked by Iran. About 50% of their oil production was destroyed for a while, and the Americans didn't do anything. The UAE was attacked by Iranian proxies, the Houthis, and the United States didn't do anything about it. They basically react only when American soldiers are being attacked. Mm. Um, this is uh, a source of concern of uh, American allies in the Middle East, and this is probably one reason they came uh, to Israel and signed the uh, Abraham Accords. Mm. So the American absence uh, led the Saudis to, uh, to such an uh, agreement. It was probably a slap to the Americans. Mm. At the same time, they bought uh, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, airplanes from Boeing. So uh, it was a soft slap. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, what's your over overall assessment of kind of the U.S. position? I mean, of course, they have they have presence on the ground in uh, in eastern Syria, which is an important element of kind of stopping the, uh, the 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 land convoy of Iranian smuggling. So the Iranians need to go other other ways. How significant is that? And kind of what's your overall assessment of the U.S. Uh, uh, positioning? Of course, the, Israel, the American uh, military presence is uh, significant. But it's very uh, uh, low scale, and we don't know for how long uh, they will be able uh, to uh, withstand uh, attacks by Iran, by Iranian uh, drones, uh, by Iranian proxies. Uh, so uh, the American position is tenuous. It's tenuous particularly because Iraq is uh, becoming a more the state is becoming more powerful uh, actor in uh, in Kurdistan, in the independent uh, region of Kurdistan, the KRG. Uh, we just uh, learned that uh, they cannot export on their own oil. Uh, so uh, with the Kurdish position being uh, weakened, also the American position is weakened. And, I mean, on the bilateral strength of Israel-US ties at the moment, I mean, Israel, the Israeli media, as we know, kind of, it's the favourite, I would say it's probably the, the favourite gossip topic of kind of relations between an Israeli prime minister and the president. It feels column inches like, uh, like nothing else and kind of, will he get the invite and when, when will he get the, the invite? I mean, how much, I suppose if we, we don't need to go into the, to the, the, that gossip, but um, broadening it out, how important um, on a strategic level are the personal ties between between President and Prime Minister, or is the kind of the institutional connections deeper and uh, and kind of more stable to survive that uh, those ruptures? I think the institutional relationship is very healthy, uh, and uh, the uh, Americans are uh, enjoying very much this relationship, and this is one reason it will continue. Uh, second, as the Americans are leaving the Middle East, Israel is becoming even more important strategically because they really don't have uh, any other uh, regional ally to rely on. Uh, there are two other possible allies. This is Turkey, Saudi Arabia. Uh, both have problematic relations with the United States. Uh, therefore, uh, in strategic terms, Israel's importance is growing uh, as long as they care about the Middle East. And if they'll care less, our strategic position 
weakened. Uh, about the personal relationship, it's always good to have personal relationship <laughs> with the American president. But uh, Israel can survive, you know, uh, the democratic whims uh, and idiosyncrasies of mm. this administration. Mm. It was very interesting. Early this week, I think it was the uh, the Republican senator um, Lindsey Graham was yeah. was visiting, and he came he came from Israel, um, from Riyadh actually. I don't know if he flew directly. That yeah. wasn't uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't announced. But he came kind of um, according to what was being reported, kind of interesting messages about kind of the uh, a kind of a, I suppose a rare moment of of U.S. unity, kind of trying to work together Republicans and Democrats to see if this uh, this ideal of of bringing Israel Saudi relationships into the open is at all feasible. What's your what's your assessment of that track? I think that uh, the government statements about uh, uh, finally having diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia are uh, premature and actually a mistake. Uh, we should not uh, put much fanfare on, on this relationship. Uh, basically, uh, Israel has a lot of relations with uh, Saudi Arabia under the table. And uh, after all, you know, despite the symbolic uh, importance of a Saudi Arabia uh, or Saudi Arabia flag in Israel, we can live without it. And if we want really to expand our relations to the Muslim world uh, in a more immediate future, we should do it uh, uh, with Indonesia, uh, maybe with Bangladesh, uh, because um, as long as MBS has not um, made sure that he is in power, he is going to uh, be reluctant to have his relations with, formal relations with Israel, because this will estrange part of the Saudis, particularly the more, uh, you know, uh, conservative clergy, the, the ulema. Uh, and there are others that uh, don't like relations in Israel, uh, in Saudi Arabia, so why should he make uh, enemies when he has so many cousins <laughs> that they don't like him? Um, and, and just looking slightly, slightly north of there, um, I'm thinking of the, the current uh, Israel's foreign minister is on a trip um, to Azerbaijan and, uh, and Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan. What's, what's the uh, strategic significance of those visits? This, those countries are very important. I think uh, we are, uh, it's a good judgment on part of uh, Israel, part of the Minister of Foreign Affairs, to go to those countries. Azerbaijan has been uh, uh, for years a source, or a major source for Israeli oil. It has been a, a place where we exported a lot of uh, military material. Uh, they have money, uh, and they are uh, on the border of Iran. Uh, so uh, this is a very important place for us. Turkmenistan, uh, we should remember, it's, it is a, a Central Asian country, which the whole area is important, but it's a country with the largest gas deposits in the world. Uh, moreover, uh, it borders Iran. So it can be another window for us into Iran. And uh, those countries are strategically important. 
And uh, I would encourage every Israeli in any position uh, to uh, expand our relations with those places. Well, that look, looks like what they're, what they're, what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'll take a different track slightly, um, but still on the American uh, theme. We saw some of the, uh, the leaked uh, Pentagon papers uh, recently. I just wanted to make, see what you made of those in terms of the Israel-related to, to material, if there was anything there that surprised you or, or, or particularly noteworthy. I'm not surprised by the Americans <laughs> spying on Israel. <laughs> we are not the only ones that they are spying on. And this, uh, you know, uh, we should know that this is part of our relationship and be mature enough uh, uh, to, uh, <coughs> to accept it uh, because uh, they are a superpower and we are a small ally. Mm. Okay, and another, also changing tack slightly, also happening this week, we saw that uh, Palestinian Authority Chairman uh, Mansour Abbas, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, excuse me, um, is, in, is in Riyadh. Um, again, coincidence or not that there is a Hamas delegation there at the same time. Um, what's, what's, what's your sense about that, about the, both the timing? And my, my understanding was that, uh, that Abu Mazen had been looking to go to, to Riyadh for many years and was basically rebuffed, turned away by the regime. So it seems to be a bit of a, a change of heart that they now are welcoming and on the same week that they're also hosting Hamas. <laughs> I think it's quite clear that hosting at the same time Hamas is not a compliment uh, to Mahmoud Abbas. So uh, they come, the Saudis probably decided again to hedge their bets mm. and to accept uh, Palestinians because they are uh, maybe closer to the Iranians and also Hamas because they don't know, uh, you know if there will be elections in the Palestinian Authority, who is going to be the winner. So uh, it's, uh, it's part of... Uh, trying to have some kind of uh, insurance policy on, mm. on all sides. But do you think, I mean, again, the signs when there was talks in the last year or so about Israel's Saudi rapprochement maybe coming out in, in the open, the messages were that kind of they'd had enough of the Palestinians, that they, that was a distraction. Is this a signal that they are, they do want to be involved? Is kind of, again, the, the connection of, of, uh, for them of Al-Aqsa, does that resonate? What's the, what's the, what's the driving motivation here? I think that uh, Israel should accept that the Palestinian issue is an issue that has uh, some resonance in the Arab world, in the Muslim world. It's totally unrealistic uh, to expect uh, our Arab interlocutors uh, to say in public, forget about the Palestinians. Uh, they will uh, act uh, upon their own interest and uh, obviously their domestic uh, audience uh, would like to, to hear some concern about uh, the Palestinians, not necessarily actions. Mm. Uh, so uh, if, they, if the Palestinians go to, uh, uh, to Saudi Arabia, I prefer them to, be, to stay even there rather than, <laughs> than to come back. <laughs> Okay. Um, from Israel's perspective, dealing with the Palestinian case, we saw just before Ramadan two interesting meetings um, in, uh, in Aqaba and then in Sham, which was kind of looking, I suppose, the old language of confidence building measures and supporting and of rebuilding security coordination. The, the Israeli government currently seems split between kind of seeing the importance of kind of relations with the PA and others that say, you know, that it's a, it's a lost cause full of kind of inc incitement, etc., that is kind of not a worthy partner. 
which which side of the track do you I fall on? I think we can see, you know, two type of Israelis. You know, one uh, honest uh, far right wingers and uh, hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> midstream Israelis that go along with American wishes, you want confidence building measures, mm-hmm. okay, why not, if it pleases Washington. You know, all this uh, confidence measure uh, uh, <laughs> language is idiotic. I want to remind uh, the audience that uh, uh, the, to Rabin during the Oslo times, uh, there were suggested uh, confidence building measures when he even didn't trust his uh, defense minister. So, uh, you know, confidence, this is a liberal language that has, uh, is not connected to the reality of the Middle East. In the Middle East, everybody is suspicious of the other, everybody is taking care of his own narrow interests. And a confidence-building measure is uh, something that nobody really understands what it's all about. Let me ask. Let me ask a similar question, a different, a different way. Though, is there still a strategic um, validity to Israel supporting the existence of the Palestinian Authority? As in, is, is it in Israel's security instance that they are taking care of of the domestic Palestinian um, needs in the Palestinian cities, or or, or is it a liability and a, and, a, and, a, and a weakness that is or an irrelevance? Uh, the answer depends upon uh, what uh, you think will happen after Abu Mazen goes. Um, so tell us what you think will happen. Uh, I, I don't know what will happen, but it's very possible that the situation will deteriorate and we'll have a civil war there. We'll have uh, militias fighting over uh, areas of control. Um, this uh, will uh, probably uh, be destructive to the national Palestinian ethos. Um, and we should think maybe about a different paradigm. Um, if you think that uh, the national, uh, you know, the PA is a recipe for stability, uh, of course it's important to, to maintain it. I don't think it's a recipe for, for uh, for stability, uh, the behavior of the Palestinian authority uh, is very destructive when it comes to Israel. Um, if I can take into another, another theater, and if we look at uh, Syria for a moment, um, just before, I mean, about a month ago, we saw quite a, a stepped-up level intensivity of Israeli strikes or kind of strikes that Israel doesn't confirm it, but we're presuming Israeli Air Force targeted uh, military infrastructure of of Hamas, sorry, of Hezbollah and and of Iran. Um, But at the same time, as you say, that Syria is now slowly being rehabilitated in the Arab world. Um, What do you make of kind of where the Iranians are in terms of their efforts of entrenchment and where where do you think the Syrian theatre is going to take us? The Iranians uh, invest uh, tremendous amounts of money and manpower in, uh, in Syria. Uh, they show great determination to build this ring of fire around Israel, in Syria. And uh, we try uh, to block their efforts uh, by use of force. And, uh, how successfully do you think? If you, if you were going to give, how, how successfully has Israel been able to block it, do you think? I think we are pretty successful uh, in um, minimizing uh, the military significance of the effort uh, 
They, uh, you know, the model is uh, Lebanon, 100,000 missiles at our door. They are not there. So uh, they are far from being there. So, so far our efforts have been successful. And this is a clear lesson from our inactivity uh, in, uh, in Lebanon. They were saying in Israel is that uh, those missiles will rust. We understood that they are not going to rust. Mm. And therefore, we do what we do in Syria. Um, the Assad regime and the Russians are not terribly enamored with the idea of having a too strong uh, Iranian presence there. And I think there is a tacit agreement between us and the Russians and even the Assad regime. Uh, to cut the wings of the, uh, of the Iranians uh, there. Uh, Assad wants to be independent. Um, yes, well, that will be... Uh, that's well, interesting how that will play out. Um, one final question, if I can, just on the role of China um, inserting itself into the region. We saw both in terms of the, the role they played facilitating Saudi and Iran, and, and also just last week they were called as well to offer to mediate between Israel and the Palestinians. Um, just what, what do you make of their, of, of their <laughs> role and kind of how serious they are in, in kind of getting involved here? Uh, there are several countries that have uh, mediation mania. <laughs> we, we've seen it in the past in Turkey, and now it's uh, China. The, uh, this is nonsense. <laughs> and uh, of course, the only ones that can really mediate is Americans, uh, because they have a, a role here and they can influence the site. Um, the Chinese obviously want some kind of diplomatic successes. They had uh, diplomatic success with the uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and, and Iran. Uh, we should not exaggerate the importance of those steps. The uh, Chinese uh, cannot project power in this region, uh, military power, and uh, their uh, leverage is limited. Uh, they are also cautious. They, I don't think they are really going to invest the amount they promised to the Iranians. Uh, after they signed a strategic agreement. Uh, their record in investing abroad is uh, not the best. They are losing money all over uh, Asia and, and Africa. Um, so uh, I'm, you know, the, the Chinese are here because the Americans are getting out. But uh, I don't think in the near future, at least, they will have much of an influence. Very interesting. Well, thank you for a very, very overall fascinating <laughs> conversation, wide-ranging. Uh, Professor Imbar, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure.